every month. Amen. How many are going to believe with me that this Sunday we'll see some more healings? Oh, thank you for you two people. Amen. That's all we need. So this Sunday, invite somebody that's sick or somebody you know that needs a... Remember, it's not always just sickness. Healing is not just sickness. Amen. Mental healing, uh, marital healing, financial healing, um, drug addictions, all kinds of things. So let's be believing this Sunday to see God move powerfully. And remember, we're going to... Um, every Sunday, first Sunday of every month, we're going to be believing for the miraculous and the supernatural. Um, and we believe that every service, amen? But we're putting that specific emphasis on those nights or those mornings that we can um, have people come in specifically for that. So be believing with me for that, and we're going to see God move supernaturally, amen? We're going to talk tonight in just a second about biblical relationships um, and uh, the qualities that we should have in those relationships. But I want to tell you a couple things I saw this week that kind of blew me away and just kind of give us a, 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 a continued thankfulness for being in a church that preaches the truth and a fellowship that preaches the truth and tries to stand on everything that is right and godly and holy. I saw two things that just blew me away this week. Um, one was, and I was uh, with Pastor Dwayne last night, and we were talking about this, uh, it, it, it just continues to amaze me what, what people will do in the name of, of God, in the name of the church. I saw this church. I don't even know how I, how I got to it or how I found out, but it's in uh, Orlando, and it's called Castle Community Church, Castle Community Church. And uh, if you want to look at it later and Google that, you can. But it's Castle Community Church and Brewery and brewery, and it is literally a brewery. It's a hard word to say, by the way, brewery, brewery. It is, they, they actually, when I went to their website, because when I hear something or see something, I always, and this is a good thing to remember, always go check it out and find several sources before you believe something. You know, a lot of times you can see something because, you know, we have that old saying, everything you see on the Internet's true, Right? So when you hear something, and this is serious, this is part of the teaching tonight. When you hear something, make sure you go and te- check it out and, and, and find that before you believe it. Um, you know, someone could say something about our church, and they could just automatically believe it. Hopefully they go check it out and see if it's true. Um, but I, I went and saw several sources and actually got to the horse's mouth and saw their actual website. And probably some of you are doing it right now. Maybe do it later, not tonight in the service, amen. Uh, you're seeing if I'm telling the truth. Your phone is for the Bible, amen. And so... I went to their site, and it says, and brewery, but the emphasis really of their, of their page is the brewery part. And they're literally open all week long, and then they have services on Sunday. And it's all, I mean, just, just, just the fact that that would even be a thought is unbelievable. Can you say amen? I mean, that's the day we're living in where we're mixing those things together and calling it Jesus, calling it church, whatever. So they even had a statement on there that said, Bible study and, and brew. Bible study and brew. I had a friend in Costa Rica who uh, I was always witnessing to and played basketball with that he used to tell me that he used to smoke weed and, buy, and read the Bible. How many know he got some real revelations, didn't he? So he said, boy, you'd be amazed at what God tells us at these Bible studies. And I said, yeah, I bet. Bet's not God, though. I know someone's telling you something, but it ain't God. Amen. Then the other thing, here's another flip side. In South Africa, I won't give you the church's name because it doesn't matter. This church, this humongous church it, uh, in South Africa, um, thousands and thousands of people mocked 
a resurrection from the dead. Mocked a resurrection. from They, they, they literally were having a service and uh, had someone yell, there's someone outside that's, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the casket. And they, they, and I studied into this or, or, or searched it out, and they actually went and got the, the morgue involved but didn't tell them what they were doing and, and got the vehicle to move the body and had a real casket and, and put somebody in there and, and just mocked the whole thing but went through the whole thing. They went out and got him out of the casket and gave him food and, and stood in the casket and all these different things. That's the kind of stuff that you, that you wonder, how in the world does God not just strike lightning down from heaven? Amen. When you're mocking that now, God, we know Jesus can, can raise someone from the dead. Amen. But to fake it is a serious, serious problem. So how many are thankful we're just trying to preach Jesus and do things right in here tonight? Amen. To the best of our ability. And, and, and make it real. No, no uh, gimmicks. No gimmicks. So biblical relationship qualities, qualities, characteristics, things that we should have in our relationships. I'm, I'm probably going to continue this next Wednesday and, and possibly even the following Sunday because I told you I don't know yet for sure, but there's so much to talk about with relationships that it could really continue to do a series on it, but this will most likely be the last night for, for my setup, but my flowers are still alive, amen, my plants are still here. And they've made it a week and a half now, so I've been flourishing and growing my relationship, amen, with the Lord and with these flowers. And I want to talk tonight about 2 Peter chapter 1, if you'll get there. And I want to show you some qualities, and I want to go over them. This is a good note-taking message tonight. I believe that if you'll, if you'll listen to this, it'll help you um, have better relationships. We've already talked about uh, making sure the offenses don't separate our relationships. And Sunday we talked about putting up boundaries. How many were helped by Sunday? I heard some good feedback. Amen. We had a good small group. I, I know the small groups were good. Thank you for that one person that got something from Sunday. Amen. I, when, you, when I ask a question, if you raise your hand, I can see if you're answering me or not. Amen. Let me ask that again. Did, don't make it up, though. Did anybody get anything out of Sunday? Okay. So at least a few. Amen. Of, of making sure that we put boundaries up around our relationships and protect our relationships. So now as we're learning these things, there's some things we have to do inside of the relationship, and this is personal. This is us, okay, that we have to work on. So let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. It says this, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Okay, so you see the words here, diligence, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Amen? How many, how many got those in your Bible? As you see those words, those are qualities of a relationship with God and with people. So we're going to look at this and break this down a little bit tonight and see how, how he's telling us. Sometimes you can take a couple verses and get a lot out of it. And this is, this is the message, by the way, that I had preached last Wednesday or had prepared last Wednesday, and I want to go ahead and preach it tonight. And so it's talking about diligence and virtue and knowledge and self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And he says, if you have these things, if these things are yours, verse 8, and abound, 
you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the praise and worship. Thank you for the time of prayer, the time of offering, the opportunity to give and continue to worship in our giving of what you've given us. Lord, anoint for the next few minutes on this Wednesday night every word that's going to be spoken. Let us learn tonight. Let us be challenged by your word and comforted and, and, and just anoint the, 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 the thought that you have behind your word and let your word come to life in us tonight. And, Lord, let us walk out of here with some, some more growth in our walk with you. Touch the children tonight in Children's Church. Touch uh, our churches around the world, Lord, that are preaching your gospel tonight. And, and just have your way in our lives tonight as we open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at this one more time, and then we're going to break it down. I might or might not get through all these tonight, and we'll see what happens. But here, let's look back at those uh, six or seven again. Sorry, verse seven, and see these words. Um, Actually, sorry, six. Let me get back on my notes over here. Five. Wait, five. Wait, now I see why y'all are looking around so much. I told you seven and eight, but I read five. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, did y'all see five, though? Okay. Man, I don't know what happened there. Typo. Okay, so verse 5, 6, 7, and 8. All right. So in 5, we're seeing there giving diligence and virtue and knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Okay? And so verse, for verse 8 now, here's the key again. For if. Now, this is the thing we've always got to remember in our walk with God is there's an if. Okay, if, if I want those flowers to live, I have to water them. If I want my relationship to flourish, I have to protect them. If I want my relationship with my spouse or my friends or my coworkers or God to be good, I have to not let offenses build up. Okay, so all the stuff we've been talking about has been ifs. There's ifs. And the if is us. The if involves us and how we handle things. And so God has these promises in the Bible, and he's telling us that, if, let's go, let's go the other way around. Let's go from the bottom to the top. He says, he says there's, you're going to have this fruitfulness, and you won't be barren in, in, in the knowledge of your Lord Jesus if you'll abound, in, if these things are yours, and you'll abound in them. So he's saying, if you'll get these, these words we're going to go over in your relationships, and these characteristics or these qualities will be in your relationships, and you're working on them. How many know none of us have them all? None of us have it all down. But you can't ever look at that and go check, 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 because we're all we're a work in progress. We're all working. We're all doing something here tonight to better our relationships. If if any of us get up here and say, "Man, I got the best. I got the best relationship in the world with God. I got the best relationship in the world with my spouse. I got the best. I couldn't be any better." We'd be lying. It may be good. It should be good. I hope it is good. But it's not the best it can be. Because we can always have a, gr- a greater relationship. We can always have a better friendship with our friends. We can always have a better relationship with God. We can always have a better relationship with our spouse. There can be more love. And so these things here are qualities that I should be admiring and recognize that if these things are mine and I abound in them, then I'm going to see God give me a promise which says, I will not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? How many don't want barrenness? Barrenness is, is not what we want in God. We want fruit. We want lots of fruit in our lives. 
It, it would be like looking at this and seeing no flowers. Those flowers are, are what makes it bar- not barren and makes it fruitful. And so we have to have those things in our life. Jesus said, you'll be known by your fruits. Okay, and so fruit is something we need, and we need fruitful relationships. We need fruitful marriages. We need fruitful friendships, fruitful uh, teamwork in the church. And we need all this stuff to be happening, but it's going to take work on our part. Okay, how many have come to realize that relationship is work? A good relationship is work. It takes work. We said that on Sunday. No good relationship. You can't look at a marriage of someone been married 50 years and, and, and see that it that they just happened by accident because it won't even get to 50 years. Divorce will happen before. But it takes work if you look at uh, uh, kids that have made it for God. If you look at a, a, a company that's done really well and they have good employees, something's right. I went in and at Cracker Bell the other day and was talking to one of the employees, one of the ladies, and that, that, I think that Cracker Bell has been there 26 years, and the lady that works there has been there since Cracker Bell opened. 26 years ago, and I, and, I, and I said, wow, Cracker Barrel must be doing something right to keep you here that long, right? There's a lot of people who don't stay at their jobs that long, and, and, and she, she, she said, yeah. Now, so, so something's being cultivated. There's a, there's a relationship there between the, 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 the place of business and that woman that would cause her to work in the same place for 26 years. Part of it is the, the company's really good. And the other part is, she's a good employee. How many know it always takes both sides? You can be a good employee, but if your company's difficult, it's going to be hard to make it that long. And you can have a good company, but if the employee doesn't want to work there, it's not going to make it. But when both sides are doing their part, there's a fruitful relationship there. Amen. So uh, I think about our home church. We've talked about this many times, about the relationships in our home church. And our home church is 40 years old. And there are people in that church that have been there since it started. That's almost my whole life. That's hard to imagine. I mean, how many know that's something, something's being done right for people to stay in a church for 40 years? Now, I understand that we have people here that have moved from different places. And, and, and there's circ- I'm not telling you if, you've, if you're in this church and you came from another church, you're ba- I, that's not it. Just saying that for, for someone to be in a church that long, there's some real relationship there. There's some real work being done on both sides. Amen? So as we begin to get into this, the first thing I want to, I kind of want to hit one word to give more understanding to this that will make everything else going forth, uh, forward more understanding. Because you see there, if you haven't, maybe we could write this down. I'll go over them again just going to help you in your notes in that verse, diligence. If you want to write the word diligence down. And the next word is virtue. And we're going to go back and hit each one of these. And then the next one is knowledge. This is just in the order of the scriptures. The next one is self-control. Then perseverance. Then godliness. Then brotherly kindness. And then love. So let me go over them one more time just in case I was going too fast. You've got diligence. Virtue. Knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Now, we would normally start right there on diligence, but I want to I hit the word knowledge. So 
if I'm taking notes and I write all those down, then I start again and I write the first one and I write some notes and I go the second. So maybe write knowledge down. And I want to hit knowledge for this reason. Knowledge, the word knowledge, is something that's very misunderstood. Because when we hear knowledge, when we hear the word knowledge, I don't know about you, but our carnal minds automatically think of intelligence. Our, 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 we automatically think of, of knowing a lot, um, of, of comprehension, of of reading, of, am I making sense, right? That's kind of what we, knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. Did you know what the word knowledge means in the Greek? Relationship. 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 So, um, Chris, uh, Chris, David, if you'll put uh, verse 8 up again, I think that was the last part. I want to show you the end of this verse again. Watch what it says here in this last verse. But also, for this very reason, no, sorry, 8, the last one. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you read that in the Greek, if these things are yours and abound, you'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Relate, now, here's why it's relationship. Because another word that goes along that is experience. Experience. A lot of people know who, of, of who Jesus is, but don't know who Jesus is. Okay? Experience. Knowledge is relationship and experience, meaning that there is, and this is why we talk so much about how important it is to have a relationship with Jesus. To have a relationship or have an experience with Jesus. Do you realize that when you got saved, what, you, what really happened is you had an experience with Jesus? You, you didn't just, it was one thing before, you were, you were hearing about it, and maybe you heard about it growing up, and maybe you knew the name of Jesus, and you knew that there was church, and you knew all these things, but until you really were born again, because how many know that's a fact? A lot of people are, aren't born again. A lot of people in the church aren't born again. I hope that's not the case in our church. I'm just saying, a lot of people in churches are not born again. They're just at church. They're, they're just there. They, don't, they have not converted there is not a, a, a fruitful life that goes along with what they have done. They're, the decision has, has, it has been maybe a mental decision, but not a heart decision. And, and why I say this is, and this kind of make, will make more sense, is let me ask you a question tonight. If your car is broken and, you get, and you've got to change the transmission or you've got to change the block or something big, you've got to anything, you've got to fix something on your car, how many know it's hard to find a good mechanic, first of all? I used to say in Costa Rica, if I could find a good mechanic, I'd marry him, right? Just to have him around, amen, because I, I, it's hard to find a good mechanic. And it's hard here, too. And if you've got one that's really good, come let me know. I'd love to meet him. It's hard to find a good one, an honest one, one that does a good job and one that fixes what you need fixed and doesn't break something else to fix that. Amen. And I don't know if we have any mechanics in our church. If you do, I'm not trying to offend you. But sometimes it seems like that, right? You take your car in, and they fix one thing, and then it comes a week later, something else is broke. But with a mechanic, let me ask you a question. you got a problem, and how many know we need our cars? And we just want to get fixed right, and we don't want to spend our entire house on it. So we go to a mechanic, and here's the question. Would you rather have a mechanic work on your car who has taken engines apart, has experience, and relationship to that engine. How many are seeing to understand? Relationship to that engine. Fix your car 
and has never gone to school, has never read a book on, on being a mechanic, has never gone to a tech school or nothing. He has just simply learned by experience how to take an engine apart and put it back together. Or would you rather have somebody work on your car who just got out of school and finished top in his class and was the best mechanic in school but has never worked on an engine before? Who would you rather have? I personally would go with the first one. I want someone who has experience with that. Someone who has knowledge with that. Amen? Just this kind of makes me think of Alfredo and Santos the other day. They put a beautiful sink in for us back in our kitchen that's such a blessing for us. That's got power and spray, real hard spray now. Amen? And I was watching them as every little tiny problem they would run into, they at one point, I thought I was going to have to run to the store and get something for them. I said, hey, if you need me to run, get this, because we were, they were hooking up a little water heater for the, for the water so it's nice and warm, washing dishes. And, and so I was just like, hey, if you need me to go get that, just let me know. And I was waiting, and, and all of a sudden, they figured it out with what they had. They didn't have a manual. They, they, just, they, just, they just pulled some stuff out that they had and made it work, and it worked perfect. Amen. That, if you had someone who's looking at the manual and, and, well, this is what this says we're supposed to do, that, that don't work. How many, this is how it works in our walk with God. This is how it works in our relationship with our spouse. You can read a book all day long. Reading books, good. But you've got to experience some things. You can listen, you can listen to a, a message all day long, but if you don't experience God, you're never going to change. You've got to experience him. You've got to have knowledge, which is relationship and experience. And so un- under that, um, that particular one, the reason I'm hitting this for so much is because the rest won't make sense if we don't hit this. It, it, let me give you some more synonyms for the word knowledge. Knowledge is familiarity. I mean, no, we need to be familiar with God. We need to have experience with God. This is, this is an interesting point, and I, I didn't know I was going to spend this much time on this, but it's important to understand. Do you realize and we talked about this a few weeks ago when I preached the message disqualified, that God uses people totally different than we would use. And, and, and although today we have Bible schools, and I'm not against them, and I'm not saying that you, a person can't go to them, but did you know that a Bible school is not, is not biblical? No, he, Jesus didn't send those people to the Bible school. He discipled them for three years. He walked with them and taught them experiences. Experiences. You never see in, in, in the... In the Bible, Jesus sending his disciples off to, to a, a, a cemetery, I mean, um, um, seminary, amen. You never see him sending off to the cemetery. <laughs> Can't get past that one. It, it is a fact. A lot of preachers that go into the cemetery come out dead. They go in with this fire to preach the gospel, and they come out dead because it's all up here. It's a knowledge that's, that's up here. It's a wisdom that's up here and no application. So Jesus taught them, and they learned, but they learned hands-on, okay? And so there's something about learning hands-on. And so there's an awareness. There's another, another synonym, a familiarity, an understanding of someone or something, such as facts, information, description, skills. Now, so when we think of the word knowledge, some of those things like facts and information that makes sense that we, we would get a knowledge by facts and information. When we read the Bible, we get knowledge and facts and information. But here's how this definition finishes. It says, which is acquired through experience. Experience. 
Now watch this. Or education, which that's, that's all we think about it when we hear knowledge, by perceiving, discovering, or learning. Everybody, everybody that doesn't know today and yesterday, my daughter in the police academy went through her probably her two hardest days. Yesterday she had pepper spray, and today she got tased. I couldn't help but laugh on the tase part, even though it's my baby. <laughs> the scream is just, <laughs> it's very funny. I tried to be serious. and fit. Now, when I watched the pepper spray video, I felt really bad, and I almost cried. I felt horrible. But I laughed on the other one. I can't lie. Just the, <laughs> but those two horrible days, okay? And if you see her tonight, look at her eyes. They're all puffy, and they can tell you all day long what it feels like to be tased. They can tell you all day long what it feels like to have pepper spray in your eyes. But until you experience it, until you feel it, you don't know. Now she knows. And she hopefully will never have to know again. Amen? And she will probably, hopefully will never have to have pepper spray in her eyes again. But if she does, she has experienced it. How many are getting something here? How many are realizing what I'm saying? We have to experience things with God. We have to experience relationship. You know, you come in here, you're, we're sitting in here with our pasts and, and, and who we are and what we're learning. It has not been, it's, we've, we're in this setting, yes. We have a few hours a week where we're learning like this, but where you're really growing is in your application to what the Word of God is teaching you. Putting it into practice. We can have marital seminars all, all day. We can have uh, discipleship all day. We do all these things that we do every week, but if we don't apply them to our relationships, then we're not getting any knowledge. We're not getting any experience. We're not getting any, any uh, awareness or familiarity. And so here's one more thing on this before, before I begin to move on to the next one because this first one, knowledge, is so important. It, it, it says that from the Greek, when I said it meant relationship, it also, it actually says first-hand relationship. First, so knowledge is first-hand relationship by experience. If you're saved tonight and you are born again and you are a true believer of Jesus Christ, it is because you have had a first-hand experience of who Jesus is. Not somebody telling you who Jesus is. Now, we know we get saved because somebody tells us their, their testimony. They'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The reason you got saved is because somebody was testifying in a message or preaching the word, and that experience that they had pricked you to say, man, I would like to try that. I, that sounds exciting. I, that's, I, that sounds like something for me. But too many people stay there, and it's just a head knowledge, but they never firsthand experience who Jesus is. And that's what it takes. Amen. So look at what, the, and I don't have this in the, in the screen tonight because I, I, I got this a little bit late today after I'd already sent the verses. But John 14, if you'll go there real quick. John 14, verses 21 to 23. This is still on knowledge, okay? And, and now I know I'm, I'm not going to get through this tonight because I haven't gotten past the first one. So we'll probably continue this next Wednesday night. And, and biblical relationship qualities, okay? Characteristics of Biblical relationships. Now, again, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. This is marriage. This is friendships. This is relationships in the church. This is relationships at your job. This is relationship with your kids. This is, we cannot get away from relationships. We're in them all the time, every day. 
relationships, relationships, relationships. And some relationships we want, some relationships we don't. Some relationships are better than others, but they all take work. And we should want all of our relationships to be good. We should want all of our relationships to thrive and to flourish, but it takes work. So as we look at John, and we're thinking again about knowledge, which is experience, before we get back to these other words, look what Jesus says in John 14. Actually, right before I read it, I want you to think about this. How do we truly, alongside with the experience that happens when a message is being preached, okay, because I'm thinking about how, how we come to know Jesus. You got saved and you were born again, okay, of the Spirit, and you were converted to Christ by listening to somebody's testimony, by listening to a message, by the power of the Holy Spirit touching your heart and causing you to know you needed a Savior, okay, because the Bible says no one is saved unless the Holy Spirit draws them. And so there's this combination of stuff that happens for us to be saved and born again. But what, what the truest, if, if I were to pick the truest thing, the truest way that we can know God is through his word. Okay, through his word. Y'all agree with that? The truest way we can know God is through his word because we understand that sometimes experiences can be false. Okay, experiences, uh, think about what I just said a little bit earlier about that church who mocked and faked a resurrection. Those people experienced a miracle, but it wasn't real. So the experience was not genuine and it did not help them. And as a matter of fact, how many know that that's going to be very detrimental to their church? What they thought would be something so powerful and so great is now going to be detrimental to those people who have, who have lifted up their faith. And, and were, I mean, can you imagine the excitement that they had when it was going on and they really believed it was happening? And that they would trust their pastor to, to, if he's saying that this is happening, that it's really happening? So it was a false experience. And so that, even though the Bible, stay with me here, this is good. Even though the Bible tells us that we can be resurrected and we will all be resurrected and we can believe for that and, 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 and it has happened, Smith Wigglesworth, through the power of Jesus Christ, raised eight people to, from the dead in his ministry, documented. One time he threw a guy up against the wall in, out of a casket and he slithered to the ground, dead still. And he threw him up against the wall again. How'd you like to be at that, at that viewing? <laughs> huh? How'd you like to be at that viewing? Be a little awkward. And that, that guy finally came back to life. Real true story, documented. But what I'm saying is that experience, although it was in the Bible, was not a real experience. And so we have to make sure that, how, that we have to understand that how we truly become saved it's through the knowledge and relationship and experience of the word. Okay, now look what John says in verse 21 of chapter 14. Jesus' words. He who has, and I love that it's in red on the screen, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Okay, he who has my commandments and keeps them. There's the key. Lots of people know the commandments, but they don't keep them. Lots of people know what they're supposed to do, but they don't do it. So it says, he who hears my commandments or has my commandments and keeps them or does them, it is he who loves me. So how many know that that's, that kind of relates to marriage or other relationships? We tell people, oh, I love you. 
But do our actions back up what we're saying? Come on, I'm going to stay here for a second. I'm probably not even going to get to the next word tonight. Because <laughs> this is good. This is important. It says, he who has my So we have his commandments. What is it? They're in your hand. They're, in your, they're, they're your Bible. His commandments, his precepts, his, his law, his word. It's in your hands. You're reading it. You have it. A lot of people say, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. Did you know that back in the Old Testament, before the, uh, the Bible was totally finished and before uh, all the commandments were given and everything uh, by Moses, did you know that the Bible says that the word of God was written on men's hearts? That in Noah's time, they knew that they were held accountable to their souls by what was written on their hearts from God. They didn't have anything to read. What was right and wrong was in their hearts. So we have his commandments. We, we can't say, I didn't know. Nobody told me. Because we have it. We have what's written in our hearts and we have what's in the word. So he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them. So I tell you I love you and I show you I love you. I tell you I'm going to do something and I do it. I follow through with it. And so that's what he's saying. He's, he's saying if you say you love me, don't just tell me with your mouth you love me. Show me you love me. Show me you love me. How many know there's a generation of kids and, and, and people and teenagers in a world that's crying out for someone to show them that we love them? Not just tell them that we love them, but show them. So if you have my commandments and keep them, it is he who loves me. Now watch this. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is so good. This is so good. It means he will come and allow you to experience him. He will come and reveal himself to you. This is where you begin to really grow in the Lord, when you begin to really experience who God is through his word and through his presence. But we, 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 maybe we wonder, and maybe a person could wonder. I don't even want to put us in there. We, a person could wonder, how come I haven't truly experienced Jesus? How come I haven't truly experienced God? Because you're not obeying his commands. Because you're not lining up your life with obedience to what his word says. He wants us to obey him. Parents want their kids to obey them. That's all they want is their kids to obey them and do what they say. And when a parent or a kid does what a parent wants them to do, there's a great relationship there. Come on, amen? There's something powerful in that relationship where the parent says, I'll give and you give and you give and I give and we give together and we're going to have a great relationship. I'm going to provide you a place to live. I'm going to give you food to eat. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to nourish you. All I want you to do is obey me. All I want you to do is do what I say. And if you don't do what I say, it's going to mess with our relationship. Why is it okay for us to do that as parents, but it's not okay for God to do that with us? If you know my commands and have my commands and have my commandments and keep them, you'll be loved by me. And my father will love you also, and I and him, him and I will manifest ourselves to you. Now watch this, verse 22. Judas, and I like that it says, not Iscariot, to make that clear, not the one who betrayed him, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us 
and not to the world. How is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Now, here's the question before we read on. Here's the question being asked. How can I know, how can we know that we know you? How can we know that we have a relationship? How can we know that we're in the right place with you? How many ever question and wonder, am I right with God? Am I good with God? Are we in good standing? Are we, are we, if you ever wonder that and question that, your answer is, are you obeying his commands? Are you listening to what he says? Are you trying to the very best of your ability to line up your life with his word? And Jesus answered, watch this. Here's his answer. Here's the if. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Y'all here? How do we tell? How do we tell? How do we show Jesus we love him? Keeping his word. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And look what he says again. And we will come to him and make our home with him. John fifteen, which is not in the notes or up there. If you abide in me, I'll abide in you. It's, it's a two-way street. He's willing to, to, to let us experience him, but we have to line up. Amen. We have to, we have to put our, our work in. Now, again, for, for the 50 millionth time, this is not putting the work in to be right and, and good enough to be saved because this is after salvation. We're not, we can't do anything to be good enough to be saved. Amen. We can't. That doesn't happen that way. We, we have to accept the grace of God, and then now... It's, it's kind of like a marriage or friendship or any kind of relationship. How many know that a relationship happens and then you have to build the relationship? Did y'all pay attention to that? You don't build a relationship and then the relationship happens. The relationship happens. Two people meet, friends, coworkers, marriage, whatever, and then you build the relationship. True relationship is built. True relationship is cultivated. True relationship is worked on. It's, it's, it doesn't just happen. But, but the relationship can't start until those two people meet. And so we can't have a relationship with God until we meet him. And then once we meet him, he says, now that we have met, here's what I expect of you. I want to reveal myself to you. I want you to experience me. I want you to know the blessings that I have for you. I want you to know the goodness that I have for you. But you have got to obey my commands. Amen. Are you all still here? Why is it so quiet in here? It's good stuff. Knowledge, relationship, experience. So I want to hit this one more time. He who has my commandments, verse 21, and keeps them, it is he who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So the more I obey God, the more he will reveal himself to me. The more I line up my life with his word, the closer I get to him. The closer relationship, the better relationship, the better experience I have. We distance ourselves from God when we disobey his word. Because he can't, he can't. He can't be in communion with us. He's a holy God. He can't be in communion with us when we're 
ignoring him and we're, we're, we're disobeying him when we're not listening to him. And, and how many know I'm not talking about making the mistake. I'm talking about disobeying, knowing you're disobeying, knowing what the Bible says. He says, you've got my commandments. You know what you're supposed to do. You know the things. And, and, and this whole verse is, is telling us, as we go back to this to begin to close tonight, this whole thing is telling us, he says, you're going to need diligence. You're going to need virtue. You're going to need self-control. You're going to need perseverance. You're going to need godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And that if you have all those things, he says, then you're going to be fruitful. But those are all those things. Um, let me look at these and see if there's one. Diligence, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. None of those you just have. None of those do you just have. You have to work on them. Diligence takes work. Brotherly love and kindness takes work. Virtue, how many know we're not born with virtue? And I know we haven't gotten into these individually like I, like I was going to, but self-control is a decision. Self-control, knowledge is, 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 again, you might think, well, knowledge is, is reading. No, knowledge is relationship, spending time with somebody. How many know you can't get to know somebody until you spend time with them? And remember Sunday we were talking about how careful we have to be about letting our phones interfere with our relationships. And building true, real relationships with people based off of our our knowledge with them, our experience with them, and knowing who they are, amen? Knowing what they like, knowing what they don't like. Godliness, perseverance, self-control, diligence, virtue, love, all these different things are things that should be in our lives that will help us have relationships that are godly, relationships that are fruitful, relationships that, that bear witness that I have been with God. Amen? So the knowledge part is, is experience, is going through some things sometimes. Don't look at the, at, the, at the negatives in your life as something bad. They're experiences. The lack of something sometimes gives you faith to believe for something you need. Pain gives you experience of what good feels like. Lack gives you experience of what having feels like. Sadness gives you experience or knowledge of what joy feels like. Separation or, or isolation in situations might give you an understanding or a knowledge or an experience of what togetherness feels like and unity feels like. And anxiety or fear allows you to experience what peace is. See what I'm saying? God allows us to go through some of these things. So as we go through these things, we experience who he is. And he says, now, here's the thing. It's easy to obey my commands when everything's right, when everything's easy, when everything's lining up. But the true relationship with God is like Job that says, though you slay me, I'll trust you. I don't, whatever I'm going through, Lord, I'll praise you in this storm. I'll lift up my hands and I'll worship you. My Redeemer lives. Because experience tells you that, that God is not going anywhere. And when we're not feeling like God's there, 
God hasn't gone anywhere. We might need to check and say, Lord, what area of my life possibly have I gotten out of obedience to your commands? And check and see, Lord, where, where, what area? Okay, Holy Spirit, thank you for showing me that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on that area right there. I haven't been diligent. I haven't been working on my virtue. I haven't been working on my person. I've been lazy. I haven't been, haven't been persevering in this situation. I haven't been godly. I haven't been acting godly, Lord. I haven't been loving. Like all these things here that are in 2 Peter 1, 5 to 8 are, are characteristics or qualities that we should work on in our relationships. Okay? Things that, that take work and things that we can focus on. And, and, and as you look at those things, hopefully some of, some of them pop, pop out and say, I feel like I got a handle on that. I, I think I feel like I'm, like I'm growing in that area. And there might be another area and you're saying, boy, I got to work on that one right there. That one's got me. That one's, that one's difficult. But he says, if these things are yours and abound, you'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge or, as we talked about tonight, relationship of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for relationship with you tonight. Thank you for what you've taught us tonight. I I feel your anointing upon your word tonight. I feel people receiving and accepting what you have spoken to us tonight, God, and given us an understanding of what relationship is. As we see that word knowledge in the Bible, Lord, let us understand what it means, experience. It means attaining. It means awareness. It means recognizing. It means understanding what you're trying to do in our lives through situations, Father. You're growing us. You're building us. You're lifting us up. You're causing us to stand tonight. Lord, we all want godly relationships in this place. We all want to have relationships that that glorify your name. But Lord, the most important relationship tonight is the one we have with you. That's number one. If we get that number, that relationship right with you, Lord, if we get if we get our vertical right with you, God, the horizontal is going to work itself out. Help us tonight, God. Help us tonight, God to have relationships that are based on the Word of God and obeying your commands. You know, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, Jesus made it really simple. I gave you a lot of words tonight, and those are things we need to work on. But he said the Ten Commandments are summed up in one, that you would love your neighbor as you love yourself. I mean, if you would treat others the way you want to be treated, You'd be, you'd be obeying all the commandments. But the one before that is that you'd love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Think about it. If you get that right, if you work on that relationship tonight and, and you make sure you're staying in relationship experience with God and obeying his commands and loving him, then those other things will fall into place. Tonight as you're praying and the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Always have an open heart that, that God would grow you, especially on a Wednesday night where you can come in and be discipled and, and learn from his word and grow in, in stature, the Bible says, in wisdom and in knowledge, relationship. Let him speak to your heart tonight. We're going to spend a few moments at the altar tonight. But all over this place, head bowed, eyes closed. How many tonight? 
as we make a statement to the devil, this is a soul-winning church. This is a place where people can get saved. We tell the devil tonight that this is a place of salvation. This is a place where today is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice in it. And today is the day, the acceptable day of salvation for those who do not know Jesus. Maybe it's a head knowledge tonight for you. Maybe you've got a head knowledge but not a heart knowledge. Maybe you've never been born again. Tonight you can be born again. Tonight you can experience Jesus. How many would say, that's me? How many would say, that's me? That's me all over this place. I need Jesus. I need, I need to get right with God. Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity to get right with you tonight. We, we thank you that we have the opportunity to line up our lives with your word and have relationship. Let's stand tonight all over this place. We're going to sing a song and open up the altars. Amen. Let's work on our relationship with the Lord. Amen. Let's get closer to him every day. Let's, let's, let's have that knowledge which is experience. Let me, let me learn how to get a hold of you, God. Let me learn how to talk to you. Let me learn how to, how to ask you questions. Let me learn how to seek the answers in your word tonight as we sing. Amen. Let's just take a few minutes and spend some time with the Lord tonight.